Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 4, a podcast in God's voice telling His side of your story. Our last episode ended with Caleb and Joshua standing before the people of Israel, saying that if I was with them like I said I was, the giants of the north would crumble like bread in their hands and yield the bounty of Canaan without so much as a would you like fries with that promised land. Caleb and Joshua are the only two of the twelve spies sent ahead who bring back hope with their report. This, friend, is why you recognize the names of Caleb and Joshua and have never heard of Palti, Shaphat, or Shamua, except perhaps at SeaWorld or in infomercials. The other three, along with seven more forgettable names, uh, you can find them in Numbers 13, 3 and following, the other names of the other spies belong to those who did not believe and are consigned to the heap of also-rans. Not that Caleb and Joshua will want to be remembered. Far from it, I want them to be remembered because they are the only ones in Israel who are trusting in my word and strength instead of their own mortal abilities." The nation is so far off track that their first inclination at hearing these faithful words of Caleb and Joshua is not to follow them, but to try to stone them. Numbers 14.10 Let's hit the pause button again here, because the big lesson in all this is right there in the previous paragraph. Trust and in whom it gets placed is a primary theme on the way, and here in stark relief is one of the greatest examples of misplaced trust and the consequences thereof. Though I could not have been more clear in my promises about this land in terms of my role in its provision, as in I am the one who is going to get it and give it, all but the fab four, but Caleb, Joshua, Aaron, and Moses are thinking and acting as if I never said a word about the place as if the possibility of success hinges on them alone. They're acting as if I don't even exist, as if life is all about them in the smallness of their dreams and the limits of their abilities. So focused are they on their own limitations that they cannot see the ripe abundance bursting at the seams waiting for them just a few steps away. Steps, of course, that must be taken in faith but taken in faith in me, the surest target of faith in the cosmos. Now, before you start shaking your head at Israel for not seeing what's right in front of them, look in the mirror. You don't have to go back very far on your personal timeline to find a similar moment in your life, do you? So focused on your own limits and fears that you forget I am in the room with you. Trusting in your own strength instead of mine, so preoccupied with your own mortality and weakness, and the seeming strength of others, that the path of abundance I have laid for you goes unstepped upon. I'm not talking about your bank account. I'm talking about your life account, about walking in my light, my love, my way, my purpose, my power, my strength, my mercy, my grace, my goodness, that's a lot of mys. 
because there's a lot of me to go around. And let me tell you, I can handle whatever you've got to throw at me. I can easily handle these Canaanites as I work in partnership with my people when they let me. And I can certainly handle your greatest challenges as I work in partnership with you when you let me. We'll flesh out that partnership more and more as we go along. But for now, the big takeaway is this. I am right here. Enough pretending I'm not in the room already. You are not in this alone, whether you find yourself to be particularly weak or stunningly strong at the moment. Yourself, as beautiful and ripe with potential as I have made you, is not the only source of strength in your life. You don't need me to tell you how quickly your strength runs out, though some of you are somehow still in denial about this. I am here to tell you that my strength does not run out. Ever. Keep trusting only in yourself, friend, and you will have a very limited life indeed. Trust in me, and we will go places together that even your dreams cannot hold. We are extrapolating a lot from Israel's current position in our narrative, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. While the truth of my presence and care for you remains the same, you live in a different time in the plan, a particularly exciting time to boot. We're not there yet, though, and later will be a better time to unpack the promises I've made to you in the here and now that are your equivalent of the promised land. For now, put yourself in the sandals of my people who don't seem to have heard a word I've said and think their whole life is all about them. Lift your eyes and look across the border to a life dripping with abundance and trust that I very much desire to take you there. Keep on the way, friend, and I promise you we will get there together. For now, let's hit play and see how close I come to starting over from scratch again because of these ingrates. Uh, we're back to Numbers 14. It's deja vu all over again, and Moses talks me out of a do-over with the same logic that worked before. What will Egypt think of you if you went to all that trouble to get these people free only to toast them in the wilderness? Egypt and the other nations will think that you were unable to bring them into the land you promised them. And besides, what about that slow-to-anger, abounding-in-love-forgiving-iniquity business back there? Was that all talk? Good old Moses. He knows me like no human ever has or will. Always knows just what to say. You can take a good lesson from him here, you know. Like I say, just because who I am doesn't change, that doesn't mean I don't change my mind. Moses convinces me here for what feels like the tenth time to hang in there with these self-centered, forgetful people and have mercy on them. Again. The last time we had this discussion with Moses, it was his reasoning that Egypt would trash-talk us up one side and down the other that got me, which he, of course, pulls out again in this instance. The key to his success this time, and take note for future personal use here, 
is that Moses also uses my own words against me. Well, not against me, but against our proposed course of action to strike them down with a plague. Moses intones my great summary from Exodus. Yahweh is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Numbers 14.18, referencing Exodus 34. Well, how could I do anything but relent after he uses my own words against me? Once again, I extend mercy instead of judgment. That mercy, though, is not devoid of wisdom on my part. It has become clear through these repeated episodes that those who came out of Egypt just will not let go of their ingrained, limited mindset. They simply will not trust in me to do the things I have promised. Over and over they keep choosing to set their desires on the past and the rosy picture they have somehow painted of it in their minds in spite of its obvious cataclysmic failures. So once again, we adjust to compensate for the choices of humanity. As vexing as they may be, I do still love them, and so in mercy I spare them. And I delay the Abra plan in doing so. Since we have that long-established policy of not forcing anyone to do something against their will, we do not force Israel into the promised land at this juncture when they do not desire to enter it. Instead, we wait until the generation that has clear memories of Egypt is gone. Gone as in dead. Dead from natural causes, though not from a blast of lightning or plague. There's my patient mercy again, granting the adults their wish of not wanting to go battle the residents of Canaan, Elder Israel lives out their lives as free people, landless but free, just the way they want it. Numbers 14, 20 and following. I will move the Abra plan with the next generation. The old grumblers will not enter the promised land, but their children will. Since the kids will not have their parents surpassing faulty memories of how good it was in Egypt, and since their adult life will have existed solely in wandering the wilderness, they will be far more disposed to look forward with me, to trust in me and my promises, and to faithfully step into the promised land without a single glance backward. Only Caleb and his backup Joshua, the spies who spoke in favor of trusting me and heading into the new land in spite of how things looked, they alone of the present generation will walk in the promised land. Heartbreaking, isn't it? I mean, I was very angry about it then, but now I look back at those people and I mourn the magnitude of their loss. So unable were they to get past what they had always known, what they defined as normal, even though their normal was reprehensible, they simply could not step out of the past and into the freedom I had actually put them in. This was no psychological exercise. They were slaves up and down, and now because of my intervention, they were not slaves any longer. They were in truth and fact free, but they had a hard time thinking like free people. Okay, 
No word mincing. They didn't have a hard time. They were incapable of thinking like free people. And I was on the verge of making them even more than simply free, but ready to empower and enable them to walk into a new copiously abundant life I had long prepared for them. They weren't just out of prison having to scrape out a living and an entry-level job. They were about to be given their own house in a great neighborhood for practically nothing. They had a permanent case of slave brain, though, and couldn't go there, on every level. Of course, you know where we're headed. What about you? How are you letting your past dictate your present? If there was enslavement of some kind back there, whether in the form of addiction, an abusive relationship, a dysfunctional family system, perfectionist parents, absent parents, whatever, you were in that situation long enough that it came to define normal for you. Now, we're not going to get into heaps of psychology here, but I want to make sure you take this big lesson from this moment on the way and do a slavery self-check. What kind of Egypt is in your past that still influences you in your worst moments? And if you're still deep in the situation, make sure you're asking me to get you out of there. After making that request, be looking for my answer. Your Moses will probably not be an old bearded fellow. If you are in fact mired in your past, though, which is where we find Israel right now, and you know you've been stuck there a while. You've got to be deliberate in listening to me and my voice as I tell you what I have planned for you, a life of freedom, plenty, meaning, and purpose. Stop listening to the voice and call of your Egypt. There is nothing back there for you but misery. If I have set you free, you are free indeed. You've got to change your way of thinking so that you are not defined by the past, but instead by the fact that I, the creator of the universe, the one who slung the stars and carved the mountains, I am crazy about you. Yes, you. You are the apple of my eye the object of my heart's greatest desire, and as trite and cliched as it sounds, I do love you. Really, really, I do. This whole project is about you, both getting this voice into your ears and getting Israel into the promised land. It's all about getting you to know the great extent to which I have planned and labored and nurtured and cajoled so that you could catch a glimpse of how much you mean to me, so that when I call you, and I will, to something greater than you have known or even imagined before, you will trust me, friend, and shake the cobwebs of slavery from your brain and heart, step into the future with your hand in mine on the way. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. We've got a lot of wonderful ground to cover in future episodes. If you'd like to support what we do, share this with your friends. 
There's a link to the first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. Don't spell out the number. And feel free to give us a review on iTunes or on Facebook. 15 Minutes on the Way is sponsored by the Oak Haven Church in the Barn in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oleksandr Zadoyani writes our theme music at smartmediamusic.com. Kenny Eicher designs our website art, kennyeicherart.com. We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time, be good to yourself.